Town Bank Mortgage, NMLS number 512138, is an equal housing lender. This podcast is for informational purposes only. And now, the man born with a 5 o'clock shadow and with the NMLS number 2028201. He is a gentleman. He is a scholar. He is... Tyler Crawley. Welcome, everyone, to the Thursday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am the aforementioned host, Tyler Crawley, as always. And, well, I got to, I got to be honest. I'm a little flabbergasted because we actually have a good construction report to talk about to start the show. I, I am... I'm amazed by this because let's face it, uh, construction data as of recent has not been great. We talked about home builder confidence yesterday falling to a low we haven't seen since I think it was, was it 2017? Somewhere around there. It's, it's been a while. And every month, you know, home builder confidence has fallen and these uh, construction reports from the Census Bureau, the new residential construction report, a monthly report, haven't been so great. And I was expecting the worst. And it's actually not that bad. So we're going to start with that. Uh, Then we're going to talk about mortgage demand. That was that bad. Uh, Mortgage demand has not bounced back. I thought, you know, we had a huge drop at the beginning of the month or the ending of September with, you know, the hurricane down in Florida. Um, I thought had maybe pulled the numbers down further than they naturally would have been. And we would have seen some sort of bounce back from that. We didn't. Um, We have not had a positive month since that big drop. There's been no pullback. I've been kind of surprised by that. Uh, We're going to get into that. And then we're going to talk about the uh, Beige Book. The Federal Reserve released their famous Beige Book, and they did talk about residential real estate. And it's really all that not all that surprising. There we go. Uh, So we're going to talk about that to close out the program. But let's start with good news. I know normally you're supposed to start with bad news, but there's been a lot of bad news with the housing market. So let's, let's start on a positive note. So this is the new residential construction report from the census bureau for the month of September. And we'll start with the one bad category in the report. That was housing starts. They were expected to fall 6.2%. They actually fell 8.1%. So it was a bigger drop than expected. They are now at a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.439 million, which is 7.7% lower than the same time last year. So that was the one category that was not good. So I, I, I will start off with that, but it gets better from there, which is good because I thought, pretty much everything except for housing completions. So that would mean building permits because there's only three categories. I acted like there was more categories. There are three. I thought two were going to be bad. One would be good. Instead, we got two that were good. So building permits, privately owned housing units unexpectedly rose in September by 1.4%. That is awesome. A positive number. For building permits, I mean, because remember, that's the beginning of the process. You get the permit, you start, and then you complete. And so I would have thought based on home builder confidence, and sure, the home builder confidence report is for October. We're talking about September, but it's not like it was good in September. 
<laughs> it wasn't good. It was at 44 in September. So the fact that we actually saw a positive number for building permits, I will take it. They're now at a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.56 million. That is higher than economists had projected. They thought it would fall 0.7%. Now, the bad news is it's still 3.2% lower than last year. But let's not forget, I mean, as we've talked about with home builder confidence, last year things were a booming. So the fact that building permits are only down 3.2% from last year, I will take a thumbs up on that one. That is a, that's a good report, I will say. And then housing completions, we knew they were going to be good. They were actually better than what was being projected. Housing completions were up 6.1% to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.42 million. That is up 15.7% from the same time last year. And, you know, last year things were booming in housing construction, but this is when we started to see some issues with the supply chains. And so it's understandable that now that some of those products are making their way to uh, the builders, they are getting these houses completed. And so maybe that's what's causing some of the concerns for builders because they're finally getting these houses completed as demand is being pulled back extensively, which we're going to get to here in a second. But the one thing that if you listen to this podcast, you know, pretty much every report, whether it's home sales, construction, it doesn't matter. Every category of housing, there is one thing that is always true in all these reports, and that is the dominance of the Southern region. And that was true once again for this report regionally. The South continues to dominate in every single category. The South represented, this is crazy, 54.5% of all building permits, 51.3% of all housing starts, and 54.7% of housing completions. I mean, it's just crazy when you have one region that is over 50%, because that means that the other three regions are sharing a slice of the pie that is less than 50%. They all have to share it. I mean, it's just, it's nuts. And here's where it gets even crazier because that's looking at total building. That's looking at single family and multifamily. When you break it down, just single family, which, and by the way, we'll talk about this in a second. Um, the single family is down uh, pretty significantly, but not in the South. Well, I mean, it's down in the South, but not as bad as everywhere else. Uh, when it comes to single family, the South's dominance is even more pronounced, representing 60.7% of building permits, 60.1% of housing starts, and 61.6% of housing completions, which is great because I don't know about the rest of the South, but in Southeastern North Carolina, there's not a lot of inventory. So seeing that there's housing, that large percentage of housing completions, I will take as a good sign. Now, it's also a sign that there are that few happening in the other three regions. But man, the South is just dominating in every report. I mean, I know at some point it's you know going to slow and sort of normalize, but it's, just, it's crazy to me because, you know, things are slower as someone in the mortgage industry. I can see, I, I, you know, I saw the slowdown 
and, you know, talking to people, especially I would say, you know, my boss who's been in the business for 37 years, there's a lot of concern about what's going to be happening the next couple of months, sort of like the you know winter time where normally it's, it's not, it's like the it's dead zone. <laughs> and so, you know, that, that's a normal time and we're in a situation where things are depressed. And so how bad is it going to get? And I will say that, sure, you've seen a slowdown, but there's still activity, but it's, it's a slowdown. And I can't even imagine what is happening in other regions because you know, we can see the slowdown in the South, but it's still activity. I mean, what is happening in, in, in some of these other regions? Just it, I, I, I probably should talk to people up there <laughs> because it's, I just can't even imagine it because like I said, I mean, we're, we're doing 60% of the volume and we can clearly see the slowdown. So, I mean, what is happening in these places that are making up, you know, less than 10%. Of the volume. Now, there was an interesting analysis, as I mentioned, about single family versus multifamily. Uh, Eric Basamajan at EPR Research said on Twitter that building permits are declining down now 18% from the peak. That's from the peak, not, not year over year. But this decline is entirely from single family permits, which are down 28% from the peak. Multifamily permits continue to trend. Higher, And I actually don't think this is a horrible development because if you think about it, you can build a lot more units in less space. And we know that in a lot of places, I mean, here in southeastern North Carolina, you know, I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina. I mean, we are literally running out of places to build. I mean, because we have to our east, (laughs) we have a ocean and then to our west. We have a river, and so we are limited in those directions. So we can go, of course, um, north and south, but it does limit our ability. And so we are literally running out of land to build on. And I know other places, obviously, places like you know New York City <laughs> would probably come to mind, but bigger cities that ran out of land you know, decades ago, what they have to do is you know turn something that had... You know, maybe single family into multifamily They're trying to do that in California right now. They're trying to utilize their space. And so when I see that multifamily is exploding, maybe at the expense of single family, I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing because you can build more units, which means you can house more families, which will probably actually have a stronger impact on housing affordability because you're going to see more units come to market as they build more multifamily. And so I actually don't see that as necessarily a bad thing for the number one issue right now in housing, which is affordability. We need more units coming to market as quickly as possible, especially with these. Yeah, inventory is up a little bit, but it is still down significantly from a normal housing market. So we need we need housing. And multifamily is a good way to do that. Now, I will say demand right now, of course, is unfortunately, uh, suppressed because of what is happening with mortgage rates. Mortgage rates every week are moving up. Maybe not as, well, we'll see. We'll get that report today from uh, Freddie Mac. But we've seen some big jumps recently with mortgage rates, and that is definitely having an impact. Not only is it pushing people off that affordability fence, which they might be able to afford now they can't, a house, psychologically it, it's people are like, what? You know, cause I'll talk to people and they'll come up to me and they'll say, you know, where are rates? 
And I'll be like, well, they're getting close to seven <laughs> in some days over seven. And they'll say, what? I thought they were like at five. And then of course they know someone that like refied at two and a half and they're like seven. And so there's like a psychological component as well. So not surprisingly, the pain for the mortgage industry continues with total mortgage demand down 4.5% week over week. That is the fourth week in a row of a decline in demand. And we are now down to a 25 year low. This according to the Mortgage Bankers Association weekly survey. Purchase demand fell 4% from last week and is now down 38% when you compare it to the same time last year. And refis, they've dropped 7% uh, from last week and are now down 86% when compared to the same time last year. The uh, refi share of mortgage activity decreased to 28.3% and adjustable rates are continuing to increase to 12.8% of total applications, but don't let that freak you out as we have talked about many a times here on this podcast. Arms today are not the arms of yesteryear. The arm qualifications are pretty stringent. They are solid. And most of the people who are going the arm route, it's not that they can't afford the traditional route. In fact, usually you have to qualify at the higher rates. (laughs) Um, It's just because they're trying to save money, which how do you blame them for going that route, especially with the conventional wisdom being that rates will fall at some point, whether that's going to be six months or two years. I'm leaning probably towards the two years. I'm not saying it's going to be exactly two years, but based on what's happening, we we are going to have to get some inflation reports that are really showing inflation falling before Jerome Powell, especially, or anyone at the Fed is like, oh yeah, let's start lowering rates. So, you know, it, 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 it's a very interesting situation, but why not get a, you know, arm and take advantage and, and say, okay, because I don't think anyone, anyone doesn't think that we're going to see rates drop in the next three years. <laughs> Will it take that full three? Hopefully not. But... I think it's a safe bet. And so that's why people are probably going the arm route. Uh, and speaking of mortgage rates, now this is, once again, the Mortgage Bankers Weekly Survey, the Mortgage Bankers Association Weekly Survey. These are their rates, not mine, not Towns. <laughs> These are the Mortgage Bankers Association. And this is actually for last week, for the week ending, it's somewhere in there, um, October 14th, there we go. <laughs> I was like, I could have just looked at my watch and done the math really quickly, but that would have been no fun. Mortgage rates are continuing to inch closer to 7%. They have the 30-year fix jumping 11 basis points to 6.94%. And rates are now up. This is such a crazy number. 370 basis points when compared to last year. Uh, the 15-year fixed actually fell three points. Hey, there you go uh, to 6.09%. And the five one arm was up nine bits to 5.65%. That's so crazy. I mean, the 15 year at 6% and the five one arm at 5.6 is just man. Oh man. Uh, Joe Khan, NBA economist said with rates reaching 20 year highs, arms 
are getting more attractive, as we just discussed. He said in a statement, quote, mortgage applications are now into their fourth fourth month of declines, dropping to the lowest level since 1997 as a 30-year fixed mortgage rate hit 6.94%, the highest level since 2002. With rates at these high levels, the arm share rose to 12.8% of all applications, which was the highest share since March 2008. Arm loans continue to remain a viable option for borrowers who are still trying to find ways to reduce their monthly payments. Can't blame them. I mean, you just can't. I mean, if you get that option, it's 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 not a bad route to go. Now, if you can afford you know thirty years, it's no big deal. Then you know why bother? <laughs> but it's not a bad route to go. You can understand why people are going that route. But remember, I got to stress this: the arms today are not the arms of yesteryear. Not even close to being the same thing. All right, real quick here before we run out of time, uh, we got the Fed Beige book coming out. Of course, all the Federal Reserve banks all over the country coming together, releasing this report, talking about the state of the economy, looking at labor markets, uh, you know, looking at real estate, looking at what's happening with wages, everything else. This is a markets and mortgages podcast. So let's talk about what they had to say about residential real estate. This is from the official report saying, quote, Prices began to level off in the first district's residential real estate market in August as higher mortgage rates cooled demand. While prices were up over or over the year to August, in all reporting markets, those increases were substantially smaller than the over-the-year increases to July, except in the case of condo markets in Maine and New Hampshire very specific, uh, which had stable price growth. Inventory fell year over year in all reporting markets, except for Boston's single family homes. Relative to the previous report, that fact translates to moderately lower inventories in all markets except Maine. Closed sales decreased over the year to August, albeit by somewhat smaller percentages than were reported in July. Contracts across the region remarked that buyer demand had cooled, shifting the negotiating power to buyers. Nothing we didn't already know, but uh, important to see, you know, kind of what the Fed's looking at and how they're, you know, they know they've had an impact. We, we've heard Jerome Powell mention this many times, the famous argument that he made about homes being, you know, too high and needing a housing correction. And then, of course, uh, the last his last um, press conference addressing said correction and what is happening with housing. So it's always important to know where the Fed stands um, on housing because of the oversized impact they have, especially now, not only they set, you know, the federal funds rate, but also because of, you know, their purchases of mortgage backed securities and the large balance sheet they hold of mortgage backed securities. So it's very important to know what the, where the Fed stands when it comes to, the housing market. All right, we got to go uh, real quick here. What is happening today? We got initial jobless claims. Always, they are projected to rise again. They're they're always expected to rise. Uh, existing home sales are projected to fall 2.3%. We'll definitely be talking about that tomorrow. And then Japan's inflation rate is projected to rise to 3.2%. We also will be getting... Uh, mortgage data from Freddie Mac, that weekly survey, which more than likely is going to show mortgage rates increasing by how much 
We will talk about it on tomorrow's pod. But you guys, enjoy your Thursday. We'll see you back here Friday morning for the best edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate. What was that? You buy real estate and wait. (laughs) 